The following podcast is taken from a live broadcast on Inspire FM. Assalamu alaikum everyone. Welcome to the Arise to Success show where we aim to highlight inspiring individuals and their journeys to success. My name is Jihad. I'm your host in this show. Our guest today is Sonia Yaqini, who is a BACP accredited integrative therapist, counsellor and coach. BACP is the British Association for Counselling and Psychotherapy. So Sonia is a member with them and she is also the founder of Balancing Bridges. Balancing Bridges is an online service that empowers and supports people to move between who they were, who they are and who they want to become. This bespoke service integrates creative therapeutic approaches and coaching skills to allow clients to consciously explore, restore and thrive. Sonia, what a great pleasure having you with us today and welcome to the Arise to Success show. How are you doing, Sonia? Alhamdulillah, I'm well, thank you. Uh, Thank you for such a a warm welcome and um, yeah, happy to be here. Thank you. Jazakallah khair. And Sonia, mashallah, being the founder of Balancing Bridges, where you seemed, mashallah, to combine all the, your expertise to help clients, which is amazing, mashallah. If we can perhaps start by you telling us a bit more about Balancing Bridges and how you help your clients, and then inshallah, we'll talk a little bit more about you later on as well. Sure, sure. So Balancing Bridges is a service that's pretty bespoke. So I offer one-to-one therapy and coaching, weekly to my clients and really it's about being focused on clients um uh that i joke in that sometimes um my clients think that they're my only client because my focus is so much on them um Mm. and what's going on for them and really investing in what's going to help them shift and move forward in the way that's supportive for them Mm. um so all of it is online and that was a conscious choice uh, because the world is so global and I want to be able to reach as many different people as possible. Um, yeah, and, and give them that space that they really do need and deserve. Mashallah, that's amazing, mashallah. And I love how you combine the different backgrounds that you have because we either can have counsellors or coaches, but you combine the two together, mashallah. So how does that help your clients? And is it better just having one, you know, one, just, you know, one one area of expertise? So let me clarify that a bit more. Is it that you, when you with your clients, do you use both counselling and coaching or does it depend on the client and what their needs are? Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. So um, it sometimes depends on the client because they come and they're very sure they don't yeah. want therapy and they definitely want coaching or yeah. they don't want coaching and they definitely want therapy. Um, mm-hmm. How I work is that I have a framework in which I can take clients from therapy to coaching. So it's really mm-hmm. about um, understanding what that deep need is and getting them to rebalance where they're at. And once we have gotten to a point that we feel that uh, their concern has been rebalanced enough, that they feel like they're strong enough, healthy enough, um, emotionally regulating enough, we can start to think about what are those future actions and really hold them accountable and be excited and think about Mm -hmm. those aspirations. Um, So I think it's the best of both worlds uh, for me and clients come knowing that they can stay with the same uh, person, practitioner um, throughout their whole journey. It can be quite... um, uh, tiresome and a struggle to find the right therapist or the right coach um, so the idea that they don't have to leave to go and do coaching stuff or um, that they can start from therapy and go all the way to coaching is um, I feel very um, blessed and um, yeah that I'm able to offer that definitely and a lot of clients you know that trust aspect is big part of you know therapy or coaching that once they feel comfortable with somebody, they just want to stay with them. And it's that trust that they built. So that's really great, mashallah, that you offer the two. I'm wondering here, if somebody, for example, comes and they want to do coaching and they want to, you know, they have a specific goal that they want to achieve, but then you feel that there was something holding them back and they might benefit a little bit more of counselling. I'm wondering here, do you kind of take them to counselling and then come back to coaching? Or what's the best strategy that you follow? So it goes back to this being a bespoke service. I follow Mm -hmm. the strategy that best supports my client. Mm -hmm. So 
it's a very honest conversation space. You know, we have to be honest. If you're not ready to be honest, you can't be in these spaces. So actually mm -hmm. highlighting that, well, if so if these things do come up, perhaps it's a question to say, we've got to recontract for mm -hmm. therapy, or we can say that mm -hmm. therapy is ending here. And what would we like our transition, transition to then be so that we can move towards coaching? So it really isn't a black and white thing. And it isn't a thing of kind of, okay, I'm going to tell you that you can't do coaching right now. Um, it mm -hmm. is a discussion, it's a collaborative process. Yeah, I love that, the fact that, of course, you know, we taking client into perspective as well so that's great and when did you start this service and what motivated you to starting it oh there's so many answers to that one officially mm -hmm. it started in in 2021 as soon mm -hmm. as I qualified um uh, after I went back to university I went back to university mm -hmm. after 10 years of uh, oh, being no. out of education um so uh, in it's a sense, it feels like, yeah, in a sense, it feels like it started so much further beyond that. It started back in like 2017 when I decided to to kind of say, okay, I've, I've got to go back and train and um, I want to take it seriously. Um, mm. In terms of my motivations, there's a lot of a mixture there. I've, mm. I've always been one to be drawn to supporting people while they are doing their best to be resilient and feeling as though they're falling short um mm. and I do I really do believe that Allah gave me my own um ability to sit with difficulty so that's mm. part of my motivation the other is I come from a creative background and mm. um <laughs> so I kind of decided to pause that um, a little bit. I still get to use a lot of my creativity in with clients, but I decided to pause that. Mm -hmm. And I was wondering, well, what else can I do? I want to be able to have more of a human connection because I felt mm -hmm. like I was spending all my time on a laptop mm -hmm. <laughs> for all those who understand what a Mac monkey is. Um, <laughs> uh, may Allah bless my mom. She kept all of my um, school reports all the way back to when I was in like uh, primary school and all of them in some shape or form had Sonia is helpful or Sonia is a good listener and you know what that makes sense let me go and <laughs> go and study yeah. psychology and counseling um why not so it's yeah. that's why I said it's there's quite a few answers to it yeah oh I love that and you know where you said that you've read notes that you know um Sonia is helpful good listener so on it shows sometimes that, you know, listening to people's feedback is really good for us to understand more about ourselves. And a lot of people say that it's like, you know, if you're not sure what kind of person you are, ask others what they think of you. So it's good that mashallah, you've taken that into perspective and kind of chose something that you feel is more comfortable for you. And going to university after 10 years, how does that feel like? That's a brave step, mashallah. <laughs> Um, yeah, that was that was special. Yeah. <laughs> I'm dyslexic, so it was just also the the kind of thing of oh, how am I going to keep up with assignments? How am I going to keep up with reading lists? Um, yeah. Honestly, it's Allah's mercy because uh, mm -hmm. I was also um, not only was I studying, doing my clinical placements, I did two. Um, mm -hmm. I also was working, so I worked. Um, basically at night I went to school during the day and well wow. university during the day and did my placements during the day as well um mm. so yeah a lot but uh honestly it it shows you who you are when you're you're put mm. to like the test like that yeah but if you were willing to take that step knowing that you will have to put in a lot of hard work honestly I I don't think I realized just how much hard work it was going to be and that's often the case that mm. if you saw what you were going to have to do before it perhaps mm. you wouldn't um yeah. I had enough insight however um I was determined I was determined to say that I wanted to have that career change um mm. and want to be of use want to be able to extend goods to others and this was the path that I chose that's amazing, Mashallah. With the career change, so you had a different qualification 10 years prior to going to university and you're working for 10 years with that, I'm assuming, right? Correct. Um, and then you decided to make that change. I wanted to talk a little bit more about that because not many people find it easy to do that. Um, some people may be thinking, well, actually, you know what? I've been doing this for a very long time. That's what my qualification is. I'll just have to carry on with that. Can you tell us more about that change and how what motivated you to take that change and that transition that's an interesting question because it's not quite one thing and it's mm. not quite as simple um it kind of slowly unfolded however 
what was really important was that I did get, get the clarity that in order to continue in the profession that I was doing and how I experienced it. So I was an illustrator and graphic designer. Mm. Um, I had to put my whole heart into it. Mm. And I decided that I didn't want that to be my whole heart. And I didn't mm. want that to be my whole life. And so mm. that was the deep motivation was that I wanted to do something that gave more room for all the other things that I knew I wanted to honor, mm. to invest in when it comes to myself mm. and it, it, it wasn't a hard decision when I understood that but it was a hard decision leading up to it and in mm. terms of that change it happened gradually I can't mm. tell you how many times while I was you know studying I'm like when is this change going to happen it's mm. still not changing I might have I may have you know passed a particular level and that still wasn't a big enough change and so I did have to learn that there wasn't a big change that was happening it was being really grateful and present with the small shifts along the way because they mm -hmm. build up to the to the big change oh, absolutely i love that inshallah and i just want to highlight that part is that you know sometimes when we are uncomfortable um we don't have to remain where we are we can look for options and see where we find ourselves and making you know those changes because then if we don't make those changes it means that we're going to stay rest of our lives doing something that we don't enjoy so it is worth sometimes putting a little bit of effort into it but to make it a better future for us inshallah so i'm just going to just remind our dear listeners just in case anybody joins a bit later is that we have sonia yakini on the show with us today who's a bacp accredited integrative therapist counselor and coach and the founder of balancing bridges which is an online service that empowers and supports people to move between who they were who they are and who they want to be I have forgotten to mention earlier, so I'll mention it now that this is actually a pre-recorded show, so we're not going to be able to take any questions today, but please feel free to send your thoughts about the show on 0779481822, or you can comment on Facebook as well. So coming back to yourself, Sonia, mashallah, I find it really, really amazing that, you know, after 10 years, you've decided to make those shifts um, towards something that you enjoy a bit more. So coming back to the service that you're offering, um, is it specifically balancing bridges? Is it specifically for Muslims? And how is the demand? I'm wondering, how is the demand of Muslims using the service? Um, because... I noticed, alhamdulillah, that is changing, but in a lot of um, the, 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 the cultures, um, or a lot of Muslims believe that we should have that trust in Allah and we don't need, you know, kind of like, they don't really give mental health much a focus. So I'm wondering how is that for your service? So the service isn't specifically for Muslims. However, mm. about 95% are Muslims. Um, so, you know, alhamdulillah, that, that's what's happening. Um, there is a demand. Um, I think the de demand is quite specific um, in that mostly it's um, Muslim women from minority backgrounds. Um, and that reflects part of how I identify to them as well. Um, so in terms of the thoughts around mental health and how many people are taking that on, I do find that a lot of my clients are of a younger um, age bracket. So I'm talking kind of mm -hmm. uh, 35 and below. Mm -hmm. um, so they're, they're, it, I get the sense that they're a little bit more, um, I guess, open. Not to say that other mm -hmm. age ranges aren't. That's the case. Mm -hmm. I really can't mm -hmm. speak to it because it's a quite a big um it's quite a big question, but what I have seen and noticed is that there is more of a shift in terms of mental health within the Muslim community. And we're having more and more charities, more and more qualified therapists who are also Muslim, um, and also people who are practicing within uh, a, a Muslim psychology framework as well. So mm -hmm. I think it's a great time um, to revive a lot of the uh, Islamic traditions when it comes to mental health and well-being and um finding that balance between all types of health. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, it might be actually a good idea as well to um, kind of speak a little bit more about the difference actually between counselling and, and coaching. Because um, I realised as I was, you know, going through the questions, I was like, maybe some of our dear listeners here don't know the difference. I mean, both, both ourselves come from similar backgrounds, so we know. So can we just talk a little bit more about the difference between counselling and coaches, just in case um, individuals here think, okay, you know what? I don't, I'm not sure what I need. Um, so if we just spend just a little bit talking a bit more about that, if that's okay with you. 
Sure. It's it's a it's a bit of a hot topic question, um, mm. depending on uh, who you might ask. In terms of depending on the coach you might ask, depending on the therapist you might ask. Yeah. The best way I can describe it is that we have past, present, and we have future. Mm. And you know, in terms of counselling and and therapy, that really sits a little bit more in that present and past mm. area. And coaching mm. sits more in the present and the future area. And it's not to say that they're overlapping, but the main point is that. Um, coaching focuses on forward action, on aspiration, on trying to um, find um, find a good word here. Trying to find uh, that inspiration within the present for that person, so they they can start taking action and t- mm. uh, start thinking about where they want to be, how they want to be. Mm. Mm. But with whereas counselling is more about something like for example the past that they need to kind of deal with um before kind of moving into the future is that something that you would say kind of describes it as well yes and it's it's looking at some of the the deeper underlying patterns what's going on there but it's also in the present i do want to highlight it is also in the present and dealing with how things from the past may be impacting the present and how they want to manage that in the present as well Yeah, yeah. And I love, mashallah, how you offer the two so that you can kind of um, provide a best, the best service for um, clients, inshallah. So that's inshallah. great. Um, coming back to talking about Muslims, um, I'm wondering, mashallah, because as you said, that you've got 95% of your clients, mashallah, as Muslims, all of the services for is open for all. And I think a lot of Muslims, they do that because when I get clients as well, they say that, you know, we wanted a Muslim um, counsellor because we feel more comfortable um, mm-hmm. uh, with, you know, with, a, with with working with a Muslim, because, whereas with non-Muslims that they don't understand the culture. Not saying that they don't, a lot of them do. Um, and it's part of our, you know, uh, a part of our... Um, the, the service that we do is that we understand the different cultures as well um, that we work mm. with. But a lot of them, they do say that, well, you know, there are certain things that were suggested to us that is not really within our religion. So mm-hmm. that's why a lot of them benefit from going to a Muslim counsellor. Now, <clears throat> how important is this work for Muslims, considering the fact that not many of them have very positive views about giving to mental health therapists and as you said inshallah the younger ones tend to kind of seek the service a bit more um how important is that for us as muslims to even function quite well if there is something like if we've gone through traumas in the past for instance they will affect us um a lot of people what i've noticed is that um they would say that you know what just ignore it nothing you know if you ignore it it's like it doesn't exist so it's a strategy that a lot of us follow that still affect us, even if it happened from a long time ago, it still, you know, if, if, if we push it away, it still affects us even after many, many years. Can you talk a little bit more about that and how important it is for us as Muslims to take that into consideration? Um, and I kind of give the example of, you know, if we go through physical pain, we tend to go to the doctor, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the same as mental health, you know, difficulties that we need to go to the experts to help us. So that even... I see it for Muslims even very important for us to fulfill our obligations in our religion because we do need to function quite well in order for us to do that. There is a difference between mm-hmm. functioning very well or functioning very well. Specifically, for example, in the prayers, you know? And I notice that, you know, when I'm a bit upset, for example, in my prayers, my mind kind of goes off and wanders. <laughs> so I feel that it is very important for us Muslims to take that into consideration and to seek the support um, if we need it. So if we can talk a little bit more about that, Sonia. Mashallah, you've touched on a lot of points that um, I will raise about Muslim mental health mm-hmm. and and how we are a whole person. You know, who yeah. we are in Ibadah is not different to who we are if we're, we're not feeling okay because of mm-hmm. perhaps we're stressed. We are all one, we're an entire person and we need to constantly do our best to regulate ourselves. So our emotional health, our mental health mm-hmm. is included in that. You know, mm-hmm. how our mindset is is included in that, you know, what what we think, how we think of Allah matters. Um, yeah. And that is 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 and can be directly connected to how we're emotionally feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, so really, I, I think the main thing to say is being Muslim, we are human beings and that's important. I can't really add any more or say any more than what you have said um, other than mm-hmm. to say um, that... I I pray that others who are struggling are able to mm. rebalance 
some of the friction that's happening between feeling like they can't reach out for support um, versus um, feeling it goes against how they believe or their belief, their faith, their iman. Um, it's all intertwined, you're one person or one person. Yeah, yeah, perhaps also we can talk, we've got a few minutes before the break, if we can talk a little bit more about in order to kind of make this a bit more clearer for you know for for um the audience to understand about the importance of this as well um in case you know some i mean alhamdulillah i think as i said nowadays uh, there are a lot of changes but just to kind of talk a little bit more about it if somebody goes through traumas in their childhood for instance and they don't deal with it what kind of impacts could it have for them um in in adulthood but before you answer this question i'm just going to quickly remind our dear listeners that we have Sonia Yakini with us on the show today, who is a BACP accredited integrative therapist, counsellor and coach, and the founder of Balancing Budgets, which is an online service that empowers and supports people to move between who they were, who they are and who they want to be. Dear listeners, today's show is pre-recorded, so we won't be able to take any questions, but please feel free to text or WhatsApp your thoughts about the show on 0779481822, or you can comment on Facebook as well. Um, so, Sonia, yes, um, coming back to yourself regarding <coughs> the impact of traumas, if we go through it, for example, in, ch- in childhood, if we don't deal with it, if we don't heal from it, does it mean it's 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 um, it's kind of dealt with or it still impacts us in our ch- adulthood? And how does that look like? Sure. What, it, what that looks like to each individual will be very different. Mm. So a, a person might experience trauma when they're younger and actually that allows them to feel more motivated and they've got something to strive for they don't want to go back to that experience and that's a it's a it's a driving force for them for others it can be a a pulling force in Mm. that it can impact how they interact with other people in society they may have social anxiety or they may um find that they struggle um, with their own self-esteem feeling like they're good enough or feel as though that their relationships with those that they're close to um, just never feels like it's um, good enough, never feels like it's healthy enough. Um, They may struggle with um, accepting that sometimes difficulties happen um, Mm. versus they're always living in difficulty. And that requires a little bit of a a shift to understand that it's sometimes and not always. Mm. Um, So the, the outcomes of experiencing something or some kind of trauma in the past is honestly quite endless um, mm. in the endless, both in a positive re- respect and a, pos- a negative or less than positive respect. Um, yeah, it's, there's mm. so much that I could say on this point. I think the main point is really to um, not underestimate what's happened to an individual, um, no matter how many years it's been. Human beings are the one, uh, you know, human beings have this ability that they just think about an event and they could experience it through all of their emotions quite viscerally as though they were back there. Mm. Yeah. <clears throat> and if somebody's listening, for example, and they decide to go for therapy, is it too late or is it just the right time? It's always the time that Allah has decided. Yeah. <laughs> it's always the time that is 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 best. I I, it's a journey and Mm. uh, therapy, you will inshallah get the therapist that works best for you. Mm. What's important is that you've taken, you or anyone looking for for therapy has taken the brave step um, Mm. to start. And that's that's the thing to focus on. That you you want to start and you want the support over, you know, it's, it's too late or there's just too much time has passed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I always say, you know, subhanAllah, as you said, it's, it's the right time when Allah chooses for it, right? And I would say it's never too late. You know, working on yourself is a journey that we continuously invest in, you know, every step of our lives. And it doesn't end, you know, we just keep, you know, self-developing and, you know, working ourselves. And that is the best investment, not just for people in the job, but Muslims specifically, because that puts us in a better place in our worshipping to Allah, in our, you know, um, salah, or on everything, you know, when we are in a better mental state. 
And we know it's in everyday life is that when we are happier, for example, we do things with passion, you know, we are able to look after even others, not just ourselves Mm -hmm. um, in a better way. So having that better, you know, good state, mental, mental or good mental state is something that is, I I believe, is, is very important for Muslims as well. So I would say it's never too late. You know, the right time is when Allah chooses it. And mm. it's better to kind of um, heal and do, deal with things rather than keep brushing it off because it will impact on every day of our lives. It will impact on our thoughts. And not just that. For example, for your parents, that will be passed on to our children as well if we haven't healed from our own experiences. And that's something, of course, we wouldn't want our children to carry because then it just means that it's passed from one generation to another. It's something that, you know, it's, it's always best to kind of deal with it when you're ready. And, you know, for example, you know, I have, I've had, you know, clients where, for instance, they, they, they come in, they're not ready, but then they go away knowing that this experience was a bit positive for them, that they are willing to do it when they are ready, inshallah. Absolutely. Yeah. So Jazakallah khair for all that you've shared, um, Sonia. And inshallah, we are approaching a break. So dear listeners, this is Inspire Family Luton on 105.1. Point one, we will go for a short break, inshallah. So please don't go away. There's some interesting stuff, inshallah, to share after the break as well. So we'll see you very shortly, inshallah. Assalamu alaikum. This is Atif Nawaz. Listen to Inspire FM shows in your time by heading over to inspirefm.org or listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Assalamualaikum everyone and welcome back to the Arise to Success show. We have Sonia Yaqini with us today who is a BACP accredited integrative therapist, counsellor and coach as well as the founder of Balancing Bridges which is an online service that empowers and supports people to move between who they were, who they are and who they want to become. This bespoke service integrates creative therapeutic approaches and coaching skills to allow clients to consciously explore, restore and thrive. Dear listeners, this is a, pre- a, a pre-recorded show, so we're not going to be able to take any live questions, but please feel free to send your thoughts about the show on 0779481822, or you can comment on Facebook as well. So, Sonia, before the break, we were talking about um, the service that you offer, which combines both counselling and coaching and how you help your clients, how important it is for, you know, for individuals, specifically Muslims, um, to seek the support needed um, when it comes, for example, to mental health, as it is something very important for us to look after ourselves and take care of even our Islamic obligations as well. And now, inshallah, we'll be moving to talk a little bit more about you. Um, I was really impressed, mashallah, when with the, some of the things that you've shared about yourself. And I was like, wow, you know, this is so cool. <laughs> <laughs> One of them, mashallah, is that you're a traveler and you're currently, mashallah, traveling. And that's why we're doing this um, show as, as a recorded one. So tell us more about your passion to travel. And did it come from your family who you described as live to travel? To travel? <laughs> um oh yeah it definitely came from my family I had a passport before I could do anything really Uh, you know with those passports where they just about have the baby's eyes open (laughs) so yes honestly um traveling is just that that physical shift that's needed in order to make the other shifts possible um it's I from a very young age you know being going off for summer holidays for the whole eight weeks in a whole nother environment, completely different to the UK, where you just see a different quality of life when it comes to what you are blessed with, but also mm. just the different ways people interact with each other. Um, yeah, my my brother is pretty hilarious in that um, mm. he counts everywhere else everyone else has gone that he also goes mm. as well. So when I went oh. to India, although he hasn't been to India, he goes, I went to India too. And he'll take a story and then, you know. <laughs> so um yeah, we, we compete on um, interesting places to go. I do think I sometimes uh, pick the the more out there strange places and people mm. ask, okay, why? Why did you go there? Um, yeah, why? <laughs> why? Why not is the question. Why not? Mm-hmm. Um, Love it. I, I enjoy getting out of my own comfort zone and mm-hmm. experiencing something different so that I too can... Um, start to embody different changes that I would like to have. Um, also, it's a, it's a time to get away from the norm. 
Um, mm. And, you know, reset, think about other things. Um, can I have a, a new perspective on something I might be struggling with? Can I get the, you know, motivation to do something that um, I've always wanted to do? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And there's this thing where I'm always like, I'm on a plane and it's like the one time I have zero control and I can actually admit wholeheartedly I have zero control. In other mm. times in, in our lives, yes, we have you know, Allah is the one who's in control, but there's something about being on a plane, knowing that you can't see what's in front of you. Uh, you can't mm -hmm. see the pilot that genuinely, you know, you are there um, on Allah's grace <laughs> or yeah. as always, but there's a physical experience in, in being on a plane. Um, and I really do, um, yeah, sit in that and uh, yeah. <laughs> I find that quite powerful, mashallah, that you've shared that because then that, this is where you say, as you say, is your practice putting that to Allah, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you want to tell us a bit more about that? Because I think that's quite important, you know, practicing that tawakun a lot <coughs> when you're not in control. How does it feel, the challenges of actually, you know, believing that you're not in control and the beauty of putting that trust in Allah? There's a few stages to it in that initially mm -hmm. there is a, a tension and a fight between like my own abilities um, yeah. abilities I want to have, capabilities I want to have. And then when I can finally um, mm. reconnect to, to Allah, there yeah. is so much peace and there's almost a, a complete freedom to say that genuinely there's nothing mm. I can do. I have done everything I can do. Um, and the rest in the best of hands, Allah's. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's beautiful. Jazakallah khair. With the travel, coming back to the travel, how did you survive in COVID <laughs> if you're a traveler? Okay, so COVID was the longest stretch of non-travel mm -hmm. I've ever had. Um, mm -hmm. It was actually to the point um, I got my sister to just book me any flight to anywhere. So I went to Belfast because mm -hmm. I was like, I, I need to get on a plane. Like, yeah, I need um, to be on a plane. I need to change change locations. Alhamdulillah, yeah. being blessed to be able to to do something like that. Not everyone's able to. Yeah. Um, so it was the longest stretch. However, it helped with my journey because that longer stretch was also me studying, me working, me doing placements. So I also wasn't able to travel. Yeah. Um, so uh, those who could travel, I lived vicariously through through them. My family WhatsApp or pictures of when my sister did travel. I was just like, oh, cool. <laughs> so it's kind of like it kind of COVID, it kind of start, came at the right time for you because then you had to I focus on your studies and so on, right? So it kind of forced you not to travel, although you couldn't and you still tried to travel. <laughs> Yes, alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah, um, it did come at the right time. And I, I, I didn't try and travel. I literally accepted that I wasn't able to travel and, and knew that that was the stage of my journey I was at. That was the stage I needed mm -hmm. to be focused. Um, yeah. And yeah, alhamdulillah for that focus. Alhamdulillah. I'm just going to quickly remind our dear listeners, just in case anybody joins us a bit later, is that we have Sonia Yaqini on the show with us today, who is a BACP accredited integrative therapist, counsellor and coach, and the founder of Balancing Bridges, which is an online service that empowers and supports people to move between who they were, who they are and who they want to be. This is a pre-recorded show, so we won't be able to take any questions at the moment, but please feel free to send them or send your thoughts about the show on 0779-481822, or you can also message us on Facebook. So, um, Sonia, with the importance of travel, do you think that there is an importance to it for Muslims, for example, to get to know about different cultures, different traditions, kind of accepting different opinions, for instance. Um, I'll speak a little bit about myself, you know, during travels and so on. I find that I get to know a lot more about cultures, even, you know, learn a little bit about uh, or a little bit of a different language. Not a lot, but kind of bits here and there. I remember I had a friend who spoke a little bit of different languages. And whenever we go to a restaurant, for example, she'll try to find out the different languages of, you know, the uh, um, the, the people who work in restaurants. And then she'll actually speak the language. And they love it. They're like, oh, you know, are you from there? <laughs> so it, it does it help us as Muslims to be more open-minded, to be more accepting, for example, as individuals and as Muslims in specific? Um, well, travel is definitely a way to connect and language is mm. also definitely a beautiful way to connect. Um, in terms of traveling as Muslims, I think I've always said to myself that it's a way to see the beauty in Allah's creation. Mm. Um, 
you know human form and non-human forms um and i think that's an important thing to know like in the quran it talks so many times around pondering you know Mm. reflecting on Allah's creation. I think that's the biggest thing I take away from travel, being a Muslim. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, definitely there are some um, some learnings when you realize that different people might have slight differences when it comes to the way we may practice. And it does mm-hmm. allow for more tolerance. Um, mm-hmm. However, when we're already honoring their beauty, whether it's their culture or their food, being tolerant is that much more easier. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And now what about your interests and hobbies, which I found really interesting when you said that you've done, uh, the one that I found quite fascinating is skydiving. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And you've got interests like hiking, you know, playing basketball. And I actually wanted to speak a little bit more about those kind of interests as well, because I feel like some people look at therapists as like, you know, it's like all you do just, you know, study people and you don't really have much of a life. So I felt it was quite important that we talk a little bit about that, that you actually have hobbies and interests and your own time and you do your own things. So tell us more about that, specifically skydiving. I find that. <laughs> How do you well, do it? I- <laughs> it's it's not a constant skydiving it's the one time it's the one time um, actually it's quite challenging to um find a female tandem diver so that's the mm-hmm. that's the actual boundary to that but skydiving mm-hmm. again another chance for tawakon Allah to say yeah. I'm free falling um that that was an incredible experience um and definitely took myself out of my comfort zone for that um yeah, yeah it was it was also a test of patience because we turned up at the um there's like an, an airstrip, an airstrip to do it. And we turned up, I think, three times and cloud cover didn't allow us to. So we had to come mm. back again to get the right uh, skydiving conditions. Wow. Um, and just to speak on your point of, you know, you know, therapists don't have a <laughs> like a life outside. Big part about being a therapist, being a counsellor, you know, is boundaries. You've got to yeah. have boundaries. You've got to have, you know, uh, things that you do elsewhere because our mental health is also important so that we're able to uh, be there for our clients as well. Um, Hiking is just my love of movement. Any form of like using my limbs um, (laughs) is just great. Like the idea that I can say I went up, you know, and went back down again. In fact, when I, um, my first hike was uh, Snowdonia, which is Mm -hmm. kind of funny because most people are like, why would you do that one first? Yeah, (laughs) it took me nine nine hours to go up and down, but I absolutely Mm. loved it. Um, and basketball is just um a sisterhood for me. It's I I play basketball as often as I can with a wonderful group of sisters, and you know, we just take over a gym, the cameras they get turned off, and we just uh go for it. (laughs) Um, Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. And did you find that you had a hobby in these or those kind of interests from a young age or is it something that you've explored because a lot of people they say that when i ask them what are your hobbies for example like oh i don't know i don't have a hobby so is it something that you've always had in you you've had to explore it see to find what you're interested in and how did you go about doing that um well my hobby as a child was more uh drawing creativity hence uh, then studying illustration, mm. animation, design, etc. cetera. Um, mm. So those were my hobbies when I was younger. Uh, mm. I think these ones I had to go out and explore because mm. I found, especially when you go into full-time work, you do need uh, the other things to balance out how much time you spend uh, working. Um, mm. So, yeah, it was just really a trial and error. Just be like, I'm, I'm okay mm. to to look bad <laughs> I'm okay mm-hmm. to turn, turn up and, and know that I'm not good at this and that I will get better um, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to basketball I feel like I have mm-hmm. some skill sets that are okay um, <laughs> height helps a little bit yeah. Um, so yeah it was really just to turn up and say just because like why not yeah. Um, yeah. and at the very least I have an experience I, I'm a big fan of you know paying for experiences over like material things <laughs> mm. Yeah, I love that, Mashallah. You talked about that quite a lot, you know, trying different things, coming out of your comfort zone. You actually repeated that, but coming out of your comfort zone quite a lot. So you could tell us more about, yeah, which I really like because it's, it's it's really difficult for us to do sometimes. So I really want to spend a bit of time talking about coming out of your comfort zone. <clears throat> Was it easy for you? I mean, to kind of decide, okay, you know, I want to try something different. Um, or it took you a bit of courage to decide to experience different things and come out of the comfort zone. 
can tell us a bit more about that to help our dear listeners if, if anybody's feeling stuck um, mm. of trying different things or coming out of that comfort zone? Sure. No, it wasn't a, a, an easy thing at all. I think mm. as humans, we are built to want to be comfortable, be safe. You know, we understand mm. that our brains are also wired to keep us safe mm. as well. Um, it re that's part of why I try so much so that I can um, create more <laughs> of a midway point of coming mm. out of my comfort zone rather than it always feel like I'm going from complete comfort to discomfort um, mm. with whatever activity I'm getting involved in. So mm. really it's just me constantly challenging myself, sometimes a real challenge and sometimes it's a compassionate challenge where I'm just like, okay, mm. a bit of that, can I dip my toe into the swimming pool? Just, okay, let's just check it out a little bit. Um, mm. I think it's, it's an important thing for me and what I do, um, to know what it's like to be out of my comfort zone as much mm. as possible. So therefore it's less um, scary and it's mm. less um, distressing. When I say distressing, it's more just that anything that's out of comfort is discomfort. So it's less, dis it's less uncomfortable. Mm. Yeah, I love what you mentioned there about sometimes you kind of, you know, um, have this sudden change, sometimes small compassionate change. And that's that's something as well to kind of highlight is that with change, we don't have to do it just sudden and we don't have to go and go, kind of go quite extreme with it. It depends. Everybody's different. You know, I've come across people who if they decide something, they own it, they make quick changes. But some people need it gradually. Right. So we don't have to have this or the other. It depends on how we feel about it. Sometimes we might need to use this, as you said, sometimes we might need to use that. So it's all based on how you comfortable, how you feel and how, how comfortable you are with it. So you, we don't have to be harsh with ourselves um, and, and have to make specific, you know, um, extreme changes. It's all about how you feel about it and taking it according to your pace um, mm -hmm. and, and seeing how that works for you. So is that something that you kind of find that this is the case? Sometimes you have to kind of go according, even with your clients, I'm assuming this is the case, right? Where you're having to kind of assess their pace and going according to their pace as well. Absolutely. You know, there there is definitely experiencing that thought to action. You know, there's there's no space between them, you know, thought to action, it happens. And mm -hmm. other times it is it is piecemeal, it, it is step by step. And that's mm -hmm. because there is so much more that a person could be holding, which means that them being able to take these steps feel like giant steps, even mm -hmm. if outside looking in, it looks like they might as well be a snail. You know, mm -hmm. and it's it's re it really depends on the individual and the context, and both mm -hmm. are incredible. No matter what that step is, that's that's an amazing step for the individual, um, mm -hmm. and it really speaks to that kind of business of of comparing and not mm -hmm. comparing our our actions. Not me, I'm not comparing my my steps and my actions with another person. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's about going to, according to your pace. And I mean, it's great to gain inspiration, for example, for somebody who did something that you're passionate about or you think is a great change. But being kind to yourself and going according to your own pace as well is very important. Um, and I'm just going to remind our listeners, in case somebody joined us a bit later, is that we have Sonia Yakini with us on the show today, who is a BACP accredited integrative therapist, counsellor and coach, and the founder of Balancing Bridges, which is an online service that empowers and supports people to move between who they were, who they are, and who they want to become. Um, dear listeners, this is a pre-recorded show, so we won't be able to take any live questions, but please feel free to send your thoughts about the show on 0779481822, or you can message us on Facebook as well. Um, Sonia, coming back to your interests and hobbies, Michelle, you've got some really interesting ones out there um, that you've tried hiking, playing basketball, and skydiving. Um, what's the importance of having hobbies and interests in our lives? Um, is it important? And how important is it? Is it important for us to make time for it, for example? And is there specific guidelines on, you know, spending, you know, doing your hobbies and interests daily, weekly? Mm -hmm. It's a good question. It really goes back to the individual. Because for mm. some people, their lives are full. <laughs> mm. Their hobby their hobby is, is their child. Their hobby is, you know, refitting their home. Um, they're all things mm. that, you know, are within their kind of, their life bubble whereas mm. you know perhaps if you 
are someone who lives by themselves, who works a lot, um, you know, doing a job that perhaps isn't as fulfilling, then a hobby is important, especially, you know, for example, during lockdown, when everybody was at home, and they were yeah. sitting still in front of whatever setup they had, or maybe they had a standing desk, getting mm -hmm. out of the house, um, moving your limbs, and having something else to do, even if it was to, I don't know, go, go to a laughing club. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> you know that that's something and then that helps to rebalance and I think it does go back to part of why I you know chose part of my my name balancing bridges because it, it, we're always trying to balance where we are in our lives from one mm -hmm. end to the other um, mm -hmm. and and try and have as much as possible a balanced way of being Mm, absolutely and I love that and I just want to point out that sometimes we do go off balance right and it's okay it happens it's not we're not going to always be in a in a certain state and that's that's life it's just about being um kind to ourselves and slowly picking ourselves um you know considering the the prophets you know the sahabas they or they've all gone through challenges and it's just about working yourself according again coming back to talking about according to your pace it's not going to be the same with everyone seeing what works out for you, what doesn't, and and being kind. I think that's very important to be kind because, and that's, I'm guilty of that. I used to be very harsh on myself, but then you learn slowly to um, or unlearn bad habits mm -hmm. and, and, and mm -hmm. relearn the, um, the habits where it works better for you. Um, so it's something that, you know, we go through, but it's always about relearning those habits and considering taking care of yourself in a kind and compassionate way and see what works for you, what doesn't work for you. And what you mentioned about interests and hobbies as well is that I get that quite a lot where people, I've gone through that as well, you know, where I was like, okay, I don't know what's my hobby. Try different things. You never know. Sometimes you might enjoy it. Sometimes you don't enjoy it. But then you find what you like. And once you find it, as you said, Sonia, it works differently for everybody. Some people are really busy. Some people are able to, for example, some of them really like drawing, like how you liked it when you were young. And that's something that can be done daily basis, for instance. Other things mm -hmm. can be done weekly and so on and so on. But having that hobbies and interests is something quite important to help us work on that balance as you mentioned you know with um, <laughs> that's where balancing bridges came from but also it's okay to go off balance sometimes because a lot of people feel uncomfortable with going off balance it's mm -hmm. not a comfortable state but then sometimes we need this to make changes in our lives and that's what i've noticed from from my own you know experiences is that being off balance sometimes is the moment where you make better decisions for your life so it's just about embracing it and working on it what are your thoughts on that there's always a spectrum to things, you know, when even when you think about mental health, you know, there mm -hmm. is the mental health continuum, you know, there is the thriving end and there is the ill mental health or the crisis end. And at every kind of moment, it's either that you're kind of doing your best to kind of pick yourself up or doing your best to to push yourself forward. So I don't, there is no kind of, uh, you must be at this stage. It's where you're at with what you have and, and you're doing the best you can. Um, so in no way um, am I trying to advocate that everyone must be balanced um mm -hmm. I don't actually I'm not completely sure that it's possible to be <laughs> completely balanced yeah. um yeah so it's um more of a gauge it, more of a um yeah yeah I think it's work in progress isn't it it's a con con continuous thing that you work on you know um bettering yourself and self-developing islamically personally and so on so it's something that it, it doesn't stop somewhere it just continues working and that, that's how it is as, as muslims is that we continue working on ourselves and don't give up and continue that process inshallah 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 so to end with sonia what advice would you give our brothers and sisters to look after the mental and physical well-being cool I think it's something we've echoed here a few times and that's mm. about being compassionate yeah. and offering oneself that compassion and taking even the smaller step, smaller step towards well-being um, mentally, emotionally. And knowing that that can be enough for the moment. I think there's a mm. lot of, you know, that critical experience or that critical relationship with um mental health or with how well someone is doing um mm -hmm. knowing in that moment that you're doing the best you can with what you have um and yeah and that that yeah. you're doing okay yeah yeah it's taking it at a moment at a time sometimes and i would just add as well that 
not to compare ourselves to others, specifically social media, because I get that quite a lot as well, is that, you know, we look at social media and think, oh my God, somebody's doing so well. What's wrong with me? Why am I not doing well? You know what? Social mm. media is the worst place to look at <laughs> to see if somebody's doing well or not, because social media just so shows the best part of the individual's life. Uh, but, you know, we don't tend to put on social media if we're not doing very well, right? So everybody is having their own journey. And whatever mm-hmm. Allah puts us through is just right for us. And it's right for them, whatever they go through. So it's just about embracing what you are experiencing at that moment and working on it, inshallah, for bettering ourselves. And the more we better ourselves, the more we can offer to others as well. Because I, a lot of people, they struggle to um, work on themselves because they feel that even children, you know, I've, I've had that children who are so used to having, you know, looking after others or taking care of others or being caretakers. The idea of looking after their selves is, is not something that they're not used to. So we completely understand that. It's just about taking it a step at a time and being, you know, having that kindness to yourself and slowly, slowly unlearning those habits and replacing them with habits that are beneficial for you so that you are in a better place to look after others as well. So that's what I kind of emphasized on working ourselves, not just something selfish, it's not something that's going to come back to us. It's going to come back to those around us, for those who have families, for instance, parents, and it's going to come back to us you know, working better on ourselves in terms of religious aspects. Because as I explained earlier before the break, is that we become in a better place to give back to Allah as well, to in our salah, we're in a better mental state and so on and so on. So that mental health and looking after ourselves is something that is hugely beneficial for us as individuals, as Muslims. It's beneficial for the community around us and it's beneficial for us in terms of performing our Islamic acts. Um, so Jazakallah Sonia for all that you've shared and your own as well personal experiences and being a traveller and the hobbies and interests. Specifically, I have to say skydiving is something that I... Uh, I want to do, but it's just, look, it seems scary. So hopefully maybe one day, inshallah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, okay, no, definitely put it out there, figure it out. Yeah. Um, upside yeah. is that it was a tandem dive, so you're strapped to someone. Um, so yeah. it's not as scary as doing a solo dive. Yeah, inshallah. Yeah, inshallah. Look inshallah. Out for that. <laughs> right, okay. and, <clears throat> so, dear listeners, we have reached the end of this week's show, inshallah, for the rise of success. Sonia, thank you so much again for being here with us and sharing with us those valuable things. Thanks to all my dear listeners as well for being with us as well. Um, and ho- hoping, inshallah, you have enjoyed and benefited from this session as much as I did. Just a reminder that this show takes place every Monday, 6 to 7. So, please do t- tune in. And next week's guest is a mindfulness life coach and mentor. So we've had Sonia with us today, who's an accredited integrative therapist, counselor and coach. And next week, we're going to have, inshallah, we'll follow up with a mindfulness coach and mentor to learn more about mindfulness coaching and mentoring as well. So please do stay tuned. And inshallah, we'll see you next week. Shazakum la khair. Assalamu alaikum. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Why not tune in to our live stream at inspirefm.org? And follow and subscribe to our social media platforms at InspireFM Luton.